Welcome to The Wrong Side, the podcast where we talk through the latest happenings in pop culture to help make sure you never find yourself on the wrong side of history. On today's episode, we'll be talking about the Oprah interview with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, Tasha and Caitlin hosting the next season of The Bachelorette, and we're breaking down other headlines from this week in 30 seconds or less. Let's discuss. Guess what? What? I went to a restaurant yesterday. Oh my God. For the first time, I think, since the pandemic started, I was inside of a restaurant and we went to Margarita Factory. I, first of all, what even is that? Is that like a Chili's chain? <laughs> or it sounds like the Cheesecake Factory, but add in a little Margarita Fusion. It is and so much worse. Like it was honestly a horrible experience, what? but- why was that your choice of restaurant to go to for the first time in a year? Why that place? Because it was Friday and they do have really good margs, but they have like actually horrible Mexican food. Mm-hmm. But the margaritas were iconic, but I didn't understand their sizing. So when they were like, do you want a small, regular or large? I was like, well, I don't want a small margarita. Like I don't want my margarita to be small and you I don't want my, my margarita and I don't want my margarita to be large. So yes, I will get the regular margarita. Come to find out the circumference of that thing was unbelievable. It was probably like half of a liter of liquid. No, if you can imagine it was a fishbowl and a third of the way in, I had a headache. I was like nauseous. Because it's so sugary. It's so sugary. I was like getting drunk and I had to stop because I drove there and like I couldn't be drunk. Like you, you can't drink and drive. So like I had to stop. I couldn't finish it. It was a $17 margarita. Oh my God. I had to give the rest to my friend who has a better alcohol, a larger alcohol intolerance than I. Wait, how was it blended or was it on the rocks? It was on the rocks. I was going to get blended, but I figured that would give me a headache. Yeah, that'd be even sweeter, I feel. Or it would have given me a brain, a brainstorm. What's it called? Brain <laughs> But anyways, come, you know, I come home. I never even got drunk. Like if anything, I got buzzed. And then I was like, okay, I'm feeling buzzed. So I have to stop. Yeah. So I drinking it. I come home. I'm like nauseous. While I'm playing Fortnite, my evening Fortnite session. Of course. I'm, <laughs> I'm literally. <laughs> when will this phase end? I'm. I'm literally getting like motion sickness and have to stop because I think I'm going to puke. And now it's the following day and I am legit still hungover from that. Yeah. You Snapchatted me saying you're hungover and I'm like, oh my God, did someone rage last night? And yeah, she goes, no, I never even got drunk. I just had a margarita. And I'm like, that feels illegal to not get <laughs> drunk, but then be hungover. Like that's honestly probably one of the worst punishments. Like you did no wrong, but your body still betrayed you. No, I'm actually getting to the point where I think that I might be like genuinely, literally allergic to alcohol. <laughs> For real though. <laughs> it's a real thing. I'm like, worried. You know Emily, I literally just started laughing because <laughs> I was thinking about the question of the day and what my answer to it is for you. Stop. I really want to talk about it. Can we transition? Hey, yes, you're freaking me out. So we were trying to think of a question of the day and Audrey found it. And the question is, if a movie was made of your life, oh, what <laughs> genre would it be? I didn't see that part. 
Oh, okay. Well, that's easy. I didn't okay. see that either. What genre would it be and who would play you? And I was like, okay, I have to think about this. And we decided that we'll answer for each other. And Audrey, like I saw a light bulb pop up over her head and then she just started cackling before we started recording. And I'm so nervous. I'm like, what the hell do you have up your sleeve? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> do you have your answer for me? I do. It's not that funny anymore. Like my answer is <laughs> not actually that funny. I just, I giggled when I, cause I was like, Hmm, who is an actor that gives Emily energy? And then I thought of who it was and it just it made me chuckle. Ooh, tell me. So, okay. So let's do genre first. Have you seen that Mindy Kaling movie late night or late? Yes. Okay. That genre. Cause it's not necessarily like, it's a comedy, but it also has like a heartwarming aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And it would definitely be dubbed a comedy, but I feel like that is precisely the genre or like the big sick by Kumail Nanjiani, like that, that genre where it's like, there's a little bit of dark humor versus in, in stark yeah. contrast to like a pineapple express, like one of those, not that kind of humor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. I love that. <laughs> The actress that I would have play you. Do you have one that you would say for yourself, though, before I say mine? No, I was actually thinking about that, and I'm really not sure. I'm sure if I really put some effort into it, I could come up with one, but I don't have one off the top of my head. Okay. Okay. Now, don't get mad at me. Just say Because this actress is older, so I picture it would be your, like, she would play you as a 50-year-old woman. Is it like Jamie Lee Curtis? (laughs) Close. (laughs) Joan Cusack. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, I'm not offended by that. I just find it funny. Like, oh imagine god, her I, playing you. I always think of her. Well, okay. First of all, I could totally see myself an ice princess, like yelling yes. at my daughter, like, "Don't give up on your dream," and her saying, "Mom, <laughs> no, I'm mom, your dream." <laughs> I could totally see that. But also, like, honestly, on that note, like, Michelle Trachenberg could be a vibe. Okay. Too. Or J- Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, no. That was oh. my answer for you. <gasps> How dare you say that about me? I'm offended. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? Jennifer that is Lawrence. the highest compliment. In what way? Oh, my God. Do you not like J-Law? Wait, Jennifer Garner for you? Oh, I could see that could be tea I could see that talk to me more about Jennifer Lawrence and why you said that well (laughs) first of all I would be hyped if someone ever told me like wow Jennifer Lawrence I'd be like hell yeah thank you so much I mean I just think she could portray your energy really well like she's very driven but she's very funny and sassy but she's also very blunt like and honest you know what I mean like and she's just She's just living her own life. Like, she's just doing she her own thing. is so, like, uh, I feel like such a non-feminist, but I do find her just, like, slightly cringy. You know what I mean? It's sad. Do you have any people, like, that, does anybody ever say that you remind them of, like, a certain actress at all? Is there anybody that you have that you get a lot? I don't really have a lot of doppelgangers, I feel. If there's, if people listening are like, no, yeah, you do. It's X, Y, Z. Like, feel free to tell me. But I I don't think so. Well, less doppelgangers and more like vibes. Like, for example, the one that I get a lot is Aubrey Plaza. Because oh! of the same way that you described. Like, Wait, the- I changed my answer to that. Wow. I could also <laughs> get maybe like Rashida Jones vibes. For Ooh, people. that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, I changed my answer to that. Wait, what's your what's your um what's your genre for me? The genre for you that I feel is sort of like rom-com vibes. Something like like a tragic, like loss of a parent somewhere in there. Like the last song featuring Shailene Woodley. Or no, Miley Cyrus on Shailene Woodley. (laughs) You have to be able to like there's a you have to be able to profit off of your trauma, you know? Exactly. But then it's like a rom-com vibe where like everything is all happy because I always think of uh, what year were you in college when James performed that entire song for you that I love you, Audrey. And like, that's just pretty much sums it up. Like, you know, sad beginning. So literally 10 things I hate about you. Exactly. Like sort of a sad beginning, but then a girl falls in love, happy, cute relationship. (laughs) Sad beginning. Girl girl acquires daddy issues. Exactly. Girl must work through daddy issues exactly. with love interest. Gets a dog. Everything falls into place. And no. yeah. Yeah. Okay. I feel so like rom-com, but make it more interesting. Rom-com, but make it tragic. Make it a little darker. <laughs> well, speaking of rom-coms that went tragic, <laughs> Prince Harry and Meghan Markle sat down with Oprah last week for a groundbreaking just unbelievable interview and Oprah did not quit she did not bear down she said I'm gonna spring out as much information from these people as I possibly can and my god did she get the information and we are ready to talk about it this was torture because as you guys know we usually record over the weekend and so usually we record on either friday saturday or sunday whatever and this was actually torture for such a bombshell interview to happen on a sunday night and we both watched and i know we were covering it on our stories but i was like oh my god i was so tempted to just try to do an episode only on that but i said have patience because i knew that other things might happen in the fallout so i'm glad that we waited but this interview was exactly what I wish The Bachelor was like. Two <laughs> hours full of amazing content that just hooked you in. And just and, hot tea. It oh was just God. the hottest tea. Just, yeah, I really wasn't sure going into it if it was going to be sort of surface level and there weren't going to be any names mentioned and it was all just going to be very high level. But no, they got into it. And there are so many things we could cover, but we sort of have it broken down into some of the biggest takeaways and the biggest tea spills of the interview. Yes. And before we get into, you know, those top three or four points, I first just want to get like a really quick overview of your thoughts and opinions during, before, during, after, what was your overall takeaway? Did your opinions of the royal family change? Did your opinions of Meghan Markle change? Prince Harry? I just want to know like your kind of elevator review. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think going into it, I was on Harry and Meghan's side, but after the interview, I just, it took it 20 times further. I think my biggest takeaways were screw Prince Charles. He is actually the woat. And I'm 99% <laughs> sure I stand by my assumption that he is basically the root of all of these problems. Secondly, justice for Diana. I felt that before watching the interview. I feel it even more now. She deserved better. And just the queen isn't as bad as maybe I, I, I sort of thought <laughs> that the queen was going to be put in a worse light during this interview, but it actually made okay. me feel a little bit better about her. So those are my overarching thoughts. How about you? I think that overall, I, you know, nothing that Megan said in terms of the way that she was made to feel like some of the, 
specific things that we'll talk about were definitely very shocking, but nothing that she said surprised me. Mm -hmm. The fact that she was suicidal, the fact that she was in a really dark place, that she didn't want to be alive anymore, that she struggled and struggled and struggled over the last few years, that the media, you know, portrayed her in this certain light all the while. Kate is like just, you know, a shining goddess and Megan's being trampled all over. Like all of the, all of the connections were made. And so... Oh, sorry. (laughs) God damn it. But I also felt like that stuff you can't deny. You can't deny the way that she was made to feel. Mm -hmm. And then on the same hand, I think I'm just more like curious, interested if members of the royal family were to provide context to some of these things, what would they say? Or do they have a defense? Like the way that they kind of just like pushed her down all the time. It's like, how did that happen? Like, how did you not protect this person? It's just crazy to me. And I'm just curious, like, I think the way that she explained her situation, there's no denying that there's no saying it, there's not like, a, it's not saying two sides to every story, but rather I wonder what their, like the, the other part of the Royal family's explain away is of all of this happening because it just feels so morally wrong like literally how can you do some of these things especially when it comes to like denying her the support and help that she needed when it comes to security and her like mental health I was just like how is this possible like what did you guys tell yourselves to make this okay you know what I mean well exactly and that was probably one of the biggest bombshells is that yeah when she told Oprah that she just didn't want to be alive anymore and how Mm -hmm. she tried to ask for help even though she admitted that it was hard you know she admitted that she felt ashamed to tell Harry to tell the institution to tell you know all these people in charge and yeah she said that she asked a senior royal about the possibility of you know potentially seeking inpatient care and she was told that that just wouldn't be possible because it quote wouldn't be good for the institution and it's just crazy it's like what year are we living in and it this whole interview and especially this particular you know quote and just subject it really brings up history repeating itself because Mm -hmm. the exact thing that we heard from diana back when she was being booted from the royal family and she was going through all of that you know she sat down in an interview and talked about her mental health and the struggles that she was having and there was just zero support then and zero support now and it's like how has that not been improved upon like mental health is something that has become such a bigger topic of conversation and the fact that clearly the royal family is still stuck in the what 1700s like pretending that it doesn't exist and just denying any sort of help or resources crazy yeah and I agree I I think that it's very clear that Harry knew he was doing the right thing and he said that multiple times in the interview like there was no denying that them leaving and basically starting a new life sorry in uh, I don't know I'm on my different computer and I don't have my notifications turned off (laughs) I'm gonna fix that but I think that that's so commendable of him because he literally was watching what happened to his mother happen all over again with the same exact patterns to Megan. And that must've been so heartbreaking. And it was so sad to hear Megan be like, I didn't want to talk to him about it because I know how much pain he's gone through. And she like, didn't want to admit to him that she had considered taking her own life because she didn't, she didn't want him to feel that pain. But at the same, 
like in the same hand, she felt all of that pain herself. And so she knew she had to, and she did. And, and like, when she oh, said that she couldn't be so alone, sad. when she yes. said that she just went with him because she didn't want to be left alone, I was, oh, devastated. And then, and all of those clips where then they like, they talk about how everything that they do is about their image. It, yep. it, it's pretty much all they do is having a strong image. And so she was telling those stories about how they would be, she would be crying in the dark and or at some event and then the lights would come on and she would just have to be on again. Yeah. And that is like so damaging to just feel like you have to stifle every like real normal natural emotion just because of the cameras and because all these other people depend on you for this or that. The yeah. same reason that they had the big, like it made me sad when she's like the royal wedding like wasn't for us it was for everybody else and like that's sad you shouldn't have had to do that and I know that it's an institution that is you know centuries old and whatever but it's just like ew I remember seeing a tweet that was like okay maybe we should reconsider this whole situation I'm like damn yeah it's true because what's the fucking point literally what's the point and the thing that really bothered me is I think a lot from what I saw, at least in my, from my understanding, the overwhelming majority of people sided with Harry and Meghan over this interview. Everybody really felt for them. They heard their story. But I think the biggest criticism that I saw for Meghan after the interview and before is she knew what she was marrying into. And I think that that is just such a crappy thing to say for a lot of reasons, because first of all, she admitted that she had no idea. She went in really naive, you know, and and not sure of exactly what all these duties meant and what the protection was going to be and just what the procedures are. Nobody knows that. But in general, if you think about the average human being, nobody really knows what they're marrying into. It's like families. Nobody really knows what that is, what the royal family is. No. And so it's like, it, that just made me mad. I just think that that's the stupidest form of criticism that people should be throwing at her because literally nobody fully <laughs> understands what they're marrying into until you're in it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. so many family dynamics can change. There can be, you know, losses and divorce and, and health issues and whatever. And so many like family dynamics are just tricky in general. So elevate that to the Royal family. No, she did not know what she was marrying into. So screw all those trolls. I just didn't like that. Yeah, it was interesting because at the very beginning of the interview, Oprah even asked that question. She was like, did you, you know, do any research? And I think Megan misunderstood the question. Mm -hmm. She was like, no, like I knew everything I needed to know about Harry. Yeah, (laughs) he told me. And then Oprah was like, so you didn't you didn't talk with your friends about what it would be. And she was like, oh, no, like I, I definitely talked with my friends about what marrying into the royal family would look like like it almost felt like Oprah took took a stance early on like I'm gonna get to the bottom of every little thing but then it became really clear like what Megan was and wasn't comfortable sharing I know we're kind of just touching on some of the points as we talk which is great but randomly I also felt like she was like a lot more like savage Oprah or no no no, Megan in comparison to Harry oh yeah I kind of felt like she I almost felt like they weren't necessarily aligned on what like fully confirmed on what was going to be shared because there were things that she shared that then Oprah followed up on with Harry and then 
her was like, oh no, I'm not gonna, you know, talk any further about that. Well, but Megan was tell. like, yeah, mm-hmm, that's what they said. And I was like, oh shit. No, it you could really tell, <laughs> especially when Oprah brought up, because when Megan was doing her one-on-one with Oprah, that was when the whole comment about how the royal family was talking about, you know, how dark Archie's skin would be before he was born. And when Oprah brought that up in front of Harry, you could kind of see that there was a little surprise on his face. Like, oh wow, we mentioned that, did we? Okay. And I don't think he was mad about it, but I totally agree that I don't think they're, they were fully aligned on how much would be spilled. And interestingly enough, because that was really the, the groundbreaking of, of the entire interview, that was the thing that people really carried around and talked about in the tabloids and whatnot. Definitely. And there was a lot of damage control done after the interview where, because Oprah had like a special on CBS the day after the interview that, mm-hmm. that she could break down with the hosts of whatever that show was. And she was, she basically was like, Harry wanted me to let everybody know that it hundred percent wasn't the king or the queen or Prince, what's the other Charles or whatever. Like they wanted you to know that, it, or Philip, Philip. Yeah. Like it wasn't either of them. And yeah, she I'm goes, like, okay. it wasn't his grandmother or his grandfather. And then the interviewer was like, so it was Charles. And she's like, <laughs> All he said was it wasn't his grandmother or his grand, which literally confirmed that it was Charles. And also my friend Haley brought up an amazing point. She's like a royal expert, royal correspondent for our podcast. But Charles has made comments before. So basically when Harry, oh my God, it was when Harry was born. um, Apparently (laughs) Charles was upset that he had red hair and made multiple comments about it to Diana and Diana's mom. So if that isn't just the evidence that we need, I don't know what is. He's the worst. Yeah. And I feel like that also kind of bleeds into the topic about the security because I feel like that was such a huge portion of the interview and it was talked about how the question of her race also infused her relationship with the royal family the couple said they believed it might have been a factor in the family's decision to not grant their son Archie a title or to provide security protection for him which like what I don't do you understand I mean I'm I'm struggling a little bit to understand like the whole security thing but it almost seemed like that was kind of the breaking point because when they were when Harry was on with Megan, he was saying like Oprah was talking about all of their entertainment endeavors that they're doing now that they're like no longer involved with the royal family. And Harry was saying, I just need to make enough to support us and to provide us security for my family and my son. And I thought that was interesting because it seems like that was really the fear of staying involved with the family was the fact that there could be a chance that Archie would not receive security or that the family would stop receiving security. Yeah, there were all these things during the interview, like that whole security situation was a little confusing to me just because I didn't know how that worked. And even just the words that they kept using, you know, about the security, HR, the institution, the firm. I'm like, who are these people and how many are there and what are they being paid? And it's just, there's a, it really is its own organization. I mean, obviously we know that, but it's just mind blowing how many pieces there are. Yeah. Well, and speaking, I feel like this sort of goes hand in hand with the whole security issue, even the finances and basically Harry confirming that he was cut off financially by his family after he chose to step down from his status. And basically he explained that their new life that they're living right now is only possible because of what his mother left him. So again, justice for Diana. And I just found that to be so 
I don't even know what word to use. Like haunting sort of makes sense in a way. Like it's sweet, but it, it really is almost haunting because it's like the money that Diana left to Harry was what enabled them to escape. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's yeah. sort of like, that's her way of protecting them. And I know that that was probably her intention, but it just feels so insane to me that that's what the money is being used for to escape what Diana was trying to escape the whole time. It's very dark and insidious, you might say. Yeah. And he said, yeah, he said, quote, I've got what my mom left me. And without that, we would not have been able to do this. Dude. Oh, wait, Harry is kind of balding, too. That's kind of sad. <laughs> Honestly, just, no, the, the I never found either one of them attractive. But after these interviews, I'm like, OK, I can see what Meghan Markle sees. He is a good man, even though he's balding a little bit. And honestly, if you haven't watched it, he went on James Corden, which was insane. I was really shocked by that, that they even did that before this one was released. But it's at least a 20 minute video and it's so funny. Like they just go around LA together and they do an obstacle course and they have tea <laughs> on a bus and they stop by a couple houses. Like it's very entertaining. And it was just nice to see that side of Harry. I thought. I just found this quick article that from U- us weekly, us weekly, us weekly. <laughs> we do that. I know us weekly about my fucking god Harry (laughs) Megan and it's um about the security thing and it says quote one concern is that if Archie had a title he would get he would get security but that isn't quite true because they were talking about how they were saying they were unsure if they were going to give Archie a title at the same time they were having conversations about what how dark his skin might be which is what led Megan and Harry to believe that that could be like the correlation like is his dark skin darkness what correlates to what his title is yeah dude I literally closed my messages app like I don't know what else to do everybody listening is looking at their phones right now like oh, I'm, that's so good fucking annoyed. I'm very sorry everybody but anyways the constitution expert so this is a royal expert explained that the princesses who are daughters of Prince Andrew and Sarah Ferguson don't do public duties and don't get security as a rule even though they have titles given to them by their grandmother, Queen Elizabeth II. The royal expert further stated that as the rules of the monarchy are now, quote, Archie isn't entitled to be called prince from when he was born. He is too far removed from the line of succession. Prescott told us that great-grandchildren don't generally get a title when they're born. Her majesty made an exception for the Cambridge children because they are in the direct line of succession, he says, with their father, Prince William, set to be king one day. He added that when King George created the rules that are currently in place, he didn't think of great-grandchildren all that much because people didn't live that long in 1917. Okay, exactly the point. Like, you guys are literally just making shit up as you go along. So, like, make shit up, give Archie the prince title, give him security, and call it fucking good. And they created a monster. They created a monster machine with the media, which was another point that Meghan was trying to make with with Oprah, which is that the media and the royal family developed this, what I would describe as a toxic relationship, because the media has to get what they need in order to, you know, continue on. But the royal family has to utilize the media in order to maintain their good status and their, you know, positive sentiment and reputation with people in there. (laughs) In there. (laughs) 
you have such a way with words. I do have such a way with those words, but you know what I'm saying? I feel like that was the really other big takeaway that I took from the interview, which was that the media is fucked and they use Megan as a pawn. No, okay. don't care about her. So I actually saw a TikTok the other day that was, and so again, is this a credible source? No, but it was talking about a theory that the royals used Meghan as sort of a way to distract the tabloids from Prince Andrew and his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. Do you remember that? Yes. And the same thing has been said that Meghan has been used to distract from the alleged scandal between Kate. Scandal. <laughs> between Kate and William oh because William has allegedly cheated on Kate with a close family friend and so every time this shit happens something seriously pops up in the media about Meghan Markle and how she's clutching her baby too tight in the womb my god you know some bullshit like that like it's just craziness no it's actually so messed up I was thinking that during the interview I'm like why is nobody holding prince andrew to the fire right now like i just he deserves 10 times all the negative tabloids and i would say that nobody deserves negative tabloids but he does i just think it's so messed up that yeah they take all these problems and just shove it on the outsider even though she did nothing wrong it's just government is corrupt yeah it's just so obvious like the whole monarchy is just such an outdated institution like that really is the root of the problem the fact that they can't even take mental health seriously which i feel like is truly ground zero like that's the bare minimum that you could do and it's just they have got to figure their shit out that's all i have to say about that 100 percent. and then in tandem with this entire discussion this entire thing with Meghan markle and the royal family there's also all of this pierce morgan stuff i don't know if we wanted to touch on that what is this tea about like him having had some sort of personal relationship with her and then her being like i don't want to be like in a friendship with you anymore and that's why he has this like horrible vendetta against her have you heard this whole story Well, I didn't know that they had a history at all until I saw this clip of Piers Morgan freaking out and being called out on his show. But I didn't know they had a history before that. So let me just touch on that really quickly because I find it to be incredibly interesting. Okay. In fall 2015, Piers Morgan, a fan of Suits, follows Megan on Twitter. She responds with a DM, opening a line of communication between the two that continued until their meeting a year later. She sends him pre-release Suits episodes that they discuss over DM. A friendship is born. In June of 2016, Megan is in London to see Serena Williams play tennis at Wimbledon. She messages Morgan, would love to say hi. They meet for pre-dinner drinks at his local pub. Morgan's first impression, he writes in his Daily Mail column, she looked every inch the Hollywood superstar, very slim, very leggy, very elegant, and impossibly glamorous. Their conversation spanned Rwanda, race, and gun violence. At the end of the night, Morgan proclaims, I really, really liked her, he wrote. When we drank in my pub, I found her to be very smart, focused, thoughtful, feisty, and confident woman. This appears to be the first and only time they met in person. She leaves their drinks to go to a private party, and that was the very party that she left him for was where she met Prince Harry. Mm. In November of 2016, Morgan calls Meghan delightful on Twitter. In December of 2016, Morgan writes a Daily Mail column on why Meghan would be a great bride. He praises her humanitarian spirit, which he will later criticize, and says that her being a divorcee and multiracial will be assets to the royal family. The column ends with him encouraging Harry to pop the question ASAP. In November of 2017, royal family announces the engagement. Morgan congratulates the couple, particularly Meghan, tweeting, my friend will make the perfect modern bride. 
The first sense of building resentment towards Megan emerges in his engagement day column. His headline reads, Hardy, congratulations, Harry. You picked a real keeper. Even if your ro- romance did destroy my beautiful friendship with the amazing Meghan Markle. Oh, in the article, in the article, he revisits their first meeting and hits on the fact that they haven't communicated since. What the fuck? This is literally like when a guy like DMs someone and they're like, "Hey, girl, you're so hot. Want to go out?" And the girls like, they're like, "No." And the girls like, "No, sorry, I'm I'm not single." And then the guy goes, "No problem. You're so ugly." You worthless piece of shit. Wait, this is so fascinating. So if you don't mind, I'm going to continue. No, fully go ahead. Late 2017, early 2018. The ghosting narrative pervades through columns, tweets, and talk show interviews. Morgan ends one interview saying, she owes me an invitation to the wedding to make up for cutting me dead. My God. In May of 2018, Markle family drama begins to unfold days before the wedding. Morgan tweets his sympathy for Megan, whose father won't attend. He then writes a column cutting into Megan's dad, who sold photos to paparazzi photographer expressing sadness for Megan. The day before the wedding, Morgan tweets again that he's still upset about not receiving a wedding invite. June of 2018, Morgan begins to turn on Megan. He invites Megan's dad to his ITV morning show and paints a narrative of him as the pitiful victim of Megan's cruelty and coldness, which we're not going to get into that. But I mean, that whole entire story was fucked. The dad's in the wrong. Megan's sister isn't even like, doesn't even know her, but changed her name back to Markle as soon as she started dating Prince Harry. Like they're fucked up. So bad. December, 2018, Morgan calls Megan, his ex-friend and a social climber. He also keeps writing in defense of Megan's dad, calling Megan out for her apparently abhorrent treatment of him. Fans think this is getting a little obsessive and a little old. And I agree wholeheartedly. Oh, obsessive. They literally met in person one time. January 2020, Megan and Harry announced they'll step back from their duties as a senior royal. Morgan melts down on Twitter. March 2020, in his column, Morgan compliments a rainy day photo of Megan and Harry, yet the piece quickly takes a negative turn, writing, I've made no secret of my disdain for many of the Sussexes' antics since they got married 20 months ago, nor indeed for my former friend, Megan, ghosting me in the moment she met her prince. Ew. You're old and crusty. You didn't get ghosted. You're an old crusty man. So shut the fuck up. Also, I like how he calls her a social climber, but he's the one that will not shut up about her and trying to get invited to the wedding. But you're not a social climber? Okay, crusty man. Summer through winter 2020, as Finding Freedom, a new book sympathetic to Meghan and Harry hits the shelves and the royal duo signs their Netflix deal, Morgan's barrage of insults continues. He calls them hypocritical in one column and a pair of appallingly bitter, staggeringly self-obsessed, utterly deluded, and woefully tone-deaf laughingstocks. In March of 2021, Megan does not mention Morgan by name in her interview with Oprah, but expresses how press attacks severely affected her mental health. March 8th, Morgan responds to the Oprah interview with a lack of care and sensitivity. He writes on the Daily Mail, never have I watched a more repulsively disingenuous interview, nor one more horrendously hypocritical or contradictory. Then March 9, he storms out of Good Morning Britain when called out by his co-presenter for his cruel obsession. He quit the show. And Megan filed for an official complaint to ITV, which is the, ne- the network that runs the show, against Morgan. Morgan writes on Twitter on March 10th, on Monday, I said I didn't believe Meghan Markle in her Oprah interview. I've had time to reflect on this opinion, and I still don't. <laughs> he is such a piece of shit. We honestly, okay, first of all, that was an impeccable breakdown. Impeccable so I breakdown. feel like that says- to Google. Yes, 100%. That tells the story, like, so clearly. It's so clear. I can see clearly now the story has been told. Here's Morgan is gone. Here's Morgan is a hoe. 
I mean, I never, if you guys haven't seen that clip, I know we shared it to our story, but please watch it. He is such a child. The way that, first of all, he gets to go off for hours on end, just talking as much shit as he wants. And the one second that somebody says, hey, Piers, think about it from this perspective. He storms out like a literal baby. It's so disgusting to watch. And even the guy that's calling him out is like, this is disgusting behavior. Megan, yep. uh, Megan, uh, <laughs> Emily and I were talking about before we started recording about how Pierce Morgan has really become like the Tommy Lauren of the British media, except for that he's still on all of these shows and still has like a pretty good reputation, which is just very confusing for me. But I found him to be just, you know, horrifying. And for him to just storm off like that, I was like, uh, okay, you're such a white man. Like it hurts me. It hurts me. Exactly. And I have to stand that man's on that Good Morning Britain show for calling him out and being like, wait a minute, we have to sit here and listen to you barrage her for a minute, like minutes of our lives, which is a lot when you're on a TV show. Yep. But the one moment that I criticize you constructively, you storm off the show and then quit. Like what a fucking, I'm sorry, P word. Well, and he didn't even say anything that bad about Piers. He was just saying Megan has the right to not be your friend. Like, it's not like he called Piers creepy or disgusting, even though he is all those things. He was literally just pointing out like, hey, Megan has the right to do this and doesn't owe you a single thing. And he couldn't even handle that. No, Piers is 100% embarrassed for his clear behavior of being rejected and acting like a a fool because of it. And- he's like just imploding he's imploding and he's and you know that you're not a strong person when you can't just stand up and be like um I made a mistake yeah he's never gonna do that so I honestly don't want to give him any more any more audio time on this podcast wait the last one thing though (laughs) if you had to guess how old would you say Piers Morgan is don't look it up 70 Okay, I would have. Okay, so this is why I wanted to bring it up because I didn't know. So I Googled it because I would have said like 68 to 70. He's only 55. Wow. So all that weird, hateful, horrible energy is aging him and it doesn't look good on you, Piers. You look like a sack of rotting potatoes that got mm-hmm. dropped in acid and then dropped from an airplane and then ended up in some <laughs> sewage water and then was pulled and then burned and then thrown on the streets of New York and then the rats got to it and then it somehow <laughs> written on television. He's disgusting. That gave me just enough time, that entire rant, to Google <laughs> how old Meghan Markle is. And she is a young 39 and goddamn... Is she beautiful? Prince Harry is 36. Wait. Oh, my God. You know something crazy? What? Catherine, Princess Kate. Oh, I was like, who's Catherine? Is, or is she Princess Kate? She's a princess, right? She's also 39. (gasps) Oh, whoa. Oh, no, she's not Princess Kate. We're idiots. She's the Duchess. Duchess of of Came. Yes, got it. I can't do it. I honestly don't know how to do any of this. Like... And Prince William is 38. Wow. I'm shooketh to my chorus. Wait, that's crazy. Honestly, I do. There's a part of me that does feel bad for William and Kate. I feel like they're just stuck in it at this point. Like they're literally trapped. They can't get out. They're screwed until Charles is gone. Then hopefully things will get better. I mean, it's true, but I'm just kind of frustrated with them because they're, to me, they're just very big bystanders. Like the whole story about the baby clothes or what, or what was it? Like the princess or no, no, fuck. 
the flower girl dresses. Wasn't there a story oh. about the flower girl dresses yes. and then about Kate making Megan cry yeah. or something? And then nobody did anything to like stand up and make it better because it ended up just like, it was just like a little tippy. It was a little family tippy, but it spread like wildfire across the media and made Megan look horrible. And Kate just kind of sat back. And I feel like Kate has just had it so easy. Like we've never had a bad thing said about Kate in all her time. When she got married, it was nothing but rainbows and butterflies. Exactly. Look at her, you know, like this regal woman and da 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 versus Megan feels more like broken and incomplete, but that's because the media literally broke her. Like she got fucked. Exactly. Yeah. I know it's a weird, it's a weird combination of, I feel bad for them because they are trapped in it now, but also, yeah, they, they're not in the right, like I'm not putting them on the wrong side, but I'm definitely not putting them on the right side. I think everybody is sort of in, I think Harry and Megan are in the clear. They're the good ones. I think you know, the queen and William and Kate are sort of in this weird limbo where they're not wrong, but they're not right. And then Charles is the definition. He's the poster child for the wrong side. And you know what, Charles, you can tell that he is just jealous of Harry because Harry is the husband and father that he never Never was. was. And (laughs) I'll leave it at that. Yeah, we should leave it at that because we've been talking about this for 45 minutes. (laughs) Okay, well, luckily, even though we have a few more things to cover, it'll go by quickly because everything Bachelor related, I mean, we have just really oversaturated this pod with all (laughs) Bachelor content and kept everybody up to date. But the biggest news, the biggest update is that Tasha and Caitlin will be hosting the next season of The Bachelorette. And this is, I mean, again, there's really not a lot of background we need to dive into on this because we all know why and we all know what's going on. But that was the biggest tea that dropped this week. ABC released a statement last week that said Chris Harrison will not be hosting the next season of The Bachelorette. We support Chris in the work that he is committed to doing. In his absence, former Bachelorettes Tasha Adams and Caitlin Bristow will support the new Bachelorette through next season. As we continue the dialogue around achieving greater equity and inclusion within the Bachelor franchise, we are dedicated to improving the BIPOC representation of our crew, including among the executive producer ranks. These are important steps in affecting fundamental change so that our franchise is a celebration of love that is reflective of our work. World. And that was signed, I believe, like ABC and Bachelor producers or something like mm-hmm. ABC. So, yeah. I'm so, I, it feels so, I mean, like, why is this just happening now? Like, maybe you should have changed it, I don't know, 10 years ago. But let's talk about just our initial feelings really quickly on Tasha and Caitlin. Are we excited to have them host? What are our feelings on, you know, because there's a lot of conversation around. Could Tasha not do it herself? Why do we need two women to replace one man? Yes. That kind of thing. So what are our thoughts, feelings, concerns? Go. So I know that a lot of people are saying that exact comment, you know, why do we need two women to replace one man? And I agree with that. However, I will say that I feel like in the last three to five years, there's been a lot of teasing as to who's going to replace Chris Harrison, because even before all this controversy there have been talks about, okay, Chris Harrison has been the lead for quite some time now and he might want to retire soon. So who's going to replace him? And I feel like they've always been teasing it in pairs. It's always been like, oh, it'll be, you know, Ben Higgins and Ashley I, or it'll be, you know, Wells and like one other woman. And I feel like they've always had it in their minds. Like we want two people to replace because A, that's just a huge 
responsibility. Like that's a huge amount of pressure to put on one person. I think it makes it a little easier to at least start with two. And then I think when you start with two, it gives you the option to sort of see how the fans react to each host. And then they can sort of check the temperament of everybody and then eventually maybe move forward with one of them. But I just think it's kind of dangerous to replace a long running host with one person and expect it to go perfectly. Yeah. I mean, I think there will be some growing pains, but I think we need some growing pains. Like what we've, we've been having for the last five years is like the staying the same pains. And those are just, I'm just so over those. So I expect that. And I agree. I mean, I'm just glad that they chose a two women. That's dope. One person of color. That's dope. I think they're both going to do fine. I'm not, you know, a huge, huge fan of either of them, but I think I'm not really a huge fan of a lot of the people from the bachelor franchise at this point. I actually really like Tasha. Caitlin, I don't know how I feel about her. I guess we'll see how she does, but she definitely is one of the most, I feel like she's one of the most involved Bachelor alums. Like you have people like Jojo who are very huge and popular, but she doesn't really, she, you know, she's, she definitely has a contract with ABC and she comes back now and again, but Caitlin is constantly, you know, commenting on things that are happening in The Bachelor. She's definitely like the Chris Harrison of the totally. alum. Totally. So I think it was a good choice and I guess we'll see what happens, but I do have to say, I'm really glad to hear that Chris Harrison won't be coming back. I just think if there yeah. was anything that they could have done wrong, it would have been that. I mean, I, that would have just been, that would have really rubbed everybody the wrong way. And there was just no scenario where Chris could just come back for the next season and, you know, be and chilling. it would be okay. Yeah. But I, I did think it was interesting though, that they said in the statement, Chris Harrison will not be hosting the next season of the bachelorette. You know, they didn't say anything like Chris Harrison will be done from his hosting duties. He will not be returning at all. It sort of made it sound like, okay, we're going to give this a shot for a season, see what happens. I just found that important to know that it wasn't, you know, Chris Harrison is done. He's been booted. Which that made sense because when Chris was interviewed with the Good Morning America guy, he was like, I'm not done. I don't want to be done. And I mean, I can understand from his perspective, like he doesn't want his retirement from this to be (laughs) this like cancellation. Yeah. But I don't really, I mean, I think that he is stifling the need for some serious change because clearly his opinions are, you know, a little bit outdated to me. And so I'm ready to have some young, fresh perspectives. I'm ready to have some new commentary. I'm ready to not hear the same fucking shit every single episode. I'm ready for someone else to say the same fucking shit every single episode. You know what I mean? So it'll be interesting to see if it's sort of a trade-off, like one of them hosts one rose ceremony and then, then the other one hosts the next, or if it'll be sort of, you know, a joint effort. It'll just be interesting to see how it works, but I'm really excited about Tasha. I think she's so good on TV, just has the perfect personality for it. A little more nervous about Caitlin, just because, yeah, I, I agree with you. I just think that She's very involved, but I think that's also, she's just done some things that have, you know, rubbed people the wrong way. I don't have a problem with her. I think she'll do great, but I do think that she's going to have the much harder time just because she's the older alum. Whereas Tasha, we just saw her. We all love her. You know, Caitlin's a little stale, but still making it work. I feel like Caitlin satisfies like, like the really, like the Bachelor fan side that I wouldn't probably align with. Yeah. But but, and the Caitlin has, I think, you know, she's made some mistakes, but I think she has really good intentions and I think she's open to learning. Like, I feel like I've seen a lot of growth, like personal growth from her oh. over the years. So I appreciate that. I'm just like super glad they didn't, you know, select like a blatantly ignorant 
person to host. Like at least with Caitlin, I feel like we've grown with her and no one's ever going to be perfect. And Tasha is the same way, but I just have some more trust in her because I feel like she's more values align than like a lot of to, with me personally than like a lot of the people on bachelor so yeah. hopefully it's good balance like they both are going to help progress the show forward and also you know the main reason that they were selected was to satisfy the needs of the franchise by making sure that people still watch the show so I think yeah, that's that actually that will happen that's a good point though I always forget about Jojo and I feel like Jojo and Tasha would have been a vibe together because even Dude, remember they such a vibe oh my because God, they I did that crazy. out there during the bloopers on the women tell all they showed Tasha and Jojo together and it was like why didn't this air they're so good together if anything Jojo honestly could have received the first shot and she, uh, turned, maybe it she turned it down I could totally see her turning it down because she's living it up she has hella money she's not involved in all the controversy that happens all the time right now she has like her you know house flip business she's extremely rich Aaron Rodgers is thriving on ESPN like it's all going good for them or Jordan sorry (laughs) wait I have to say really quickly I have a friend my friend Brooke won one of Jojo's giveaways on Instagram wow what was it it was like one of the this or that things. And so the options were like Peloton bike, iPhone, $500 oh. Lululemon gift card. Oh um, my God. On bag. And Jojo has 2.3 million followers. And my friend Brooke won her giveaway. Like, are you actually kidding? I almost had a heart attack. Yes. Just, uh, I really am jealous. You shouldn't have told me that. But yeah, I'm excited. You know what? As long as this season ends, I'm like, whatever. Bring on whatever for the next season. I just need Mad Season to be over. Truly. I I truly cannot wait for Monday evening. Just so we can close this goddamn book. Speaking of closing books, we are going to close the book on this episode, but not before we do a couple 30-second recaps of some other pop and headlines from the last week. So Emily is going to take it away. Oh my God. I feel like I haven't done this in so long. Okay. Oh, I hope I can do this right. Okay. So the first thing we're going to be talking about in this 30 second spiel is the whole JLo and A-Rod situation. Three, two, one. Okay, so basically everybody was freaking out last week because there were all these reports coming from page six. They were the ones that broke the news that apparently J-Lo and A-Rod had split up. And apparently, you know, as everybody knows, there's been all these allegations that A-Rod was cheating on J-Lo. And so everybody assumed that that's what it was stemming from. And everybody was like, whatever, it's another divorce. But people were really really upset about it and like really pressed about it. But then on Saturday, basically like A-Rod's representative put out a statement from the two of them saying all the reports are inaccurate. We are working through some things. So they might still be together. But either way, I really don't care. (laughs) right on the money a perfect 30 seconds and that's all that's all she wrote oh my god I really got a little tongue tied there um okay are you ready I'll set the clock yes okay so you'll be talking about the whole Khloe Kardashian and Tristan Thompson situation Uh (laughs) uh-huh I'm tired (laughs) don't be too excited okay ready 30 seconds and begin Okay, so rumors were circulating on Instagram this week that Chloe and Tristan Thompson might be expecting a second child. Now, that is purely hearsay, but what we do know is that they definitely put egg and sperm together to make an embryo so that at the time that uh, True gets to have another <laughs> sibling, that it will be ready for her to be implemented into one's um, uterus. <laughs> 
And that's just crazy because it's like, wait, what? Like, I thought that he cheated on you. Like, are you sure you want to have another kid with him? I don't know. But then I'm on the side of like, like let women do their thing. And like, I, I want her to be happy. So like, let her do her thing. And like, if she wants to have kids with Tristan, like, so be it. And I hope that they have a great, happy family life together. Okay. So you did go, so I did go over, <laughs> but I laughed. You made me laugh. Uh, okay. The way that you said, were you trying to say implemented? What did I say? You, I don't need, I'm not even sure what word you were trying to say. You were like, implemented, implemented. I thought I said implemented. <laughs> I don't know. That made me laugh. Though. But, th- but the whole thing is I, what I forgot to mention was that they, they, they did like IVF. Oh to yes. to, yeah. And then because like Chloe really wants her true to have a bunch of kids or true yeah. to have a bunch of, sorry, <laughs> true to have a bunch of siblings. <laughs> and that was really interesting because a lot of people have a lot of opinions on it because they're like, but Tristan's trash. Mm-hmm. And I'm of the opinion that we don't know anything about her life. So you can do whatever the fuck you want. And I hope that you have a very happy life and have as many children as you want to have. And I hope that they're all healthy and happy. You know what I mean? Honestly, you covered it beautifully. I'm sorry for making you laugh. I did sort of mess you up on that. It's fine. Do we have any more 30 seconds? Yeah. I want to do one more just about, I know that we usually recap the bachelor every week and obviously we're just not doing that this week, but I do want to give a little 30 second spiel just on the fantasy suite date episode. Three, two, one. Okay, so basically the episode started with Matt talking to his dad, and I just had really mixed feelings about this because I'm glad that they were able to have that conversation, but it was honestly just, like, really hard to watch, and I felt like they deserved more privacy, and, like, I just shouldn't have been there, but anyway, the whole, like, fantasy suite episode, like, the dates were fine, it was honestly sort of a boring episode, but of course Rachel was the one to freak out and was spiraling and, you know, all jealous of Michelle and Brie and and just, like, freaking out for no reason and being hella dramatic, but speaking of Michelle and Brie, they deserve better, they were robbed on their dates, they literally had, like, Cabin in the Woods, and Rachel had, like, a five-bedroom mansion with fireworks, but I, Brie deserves better. Screw this season. Good job. Also a little over 30 seconds, but you can't win them all. <laughs> and then we have another one. We could do selling sunset to be renewed for two more seasons, but like it would be a five second spiel because that's really all there is to say. <laughs> and that is literally the end of our podcast. Honestly, we did it in within an hour. I know. I really think the percentage of time that we spent on each story is a little skewed, but we needed that time to talk about the interview. That interview between Harry or with Harry and Meghan, like that is something that will be referenced for years to come. So we needed that time. It's arguably like the most important thing that's happened this year. Yeah. And you know what? I'm living for it. I'm living for the fact that there's nothing really happening other than people getting vaccinated and you know Meghan Markle sharing her truth exactly like, it's March 2021 bring it the fuck on bring exactly. it on exactly couldn't have said it better myself what a fun episode I like this one this was a good one too we did a lot of discussing around the royal family and I wouldn't have had it any other way honestly though I do need the tea to pick up because even though I'm excited for Matt's season to be over we're not going to have the bachelor to cover anymore and so it's like we really need pop culture to step up and yeah like where has she been where has pop culture been I know she's been so shy and it's like 2021 is not the year yeah like 2020 wasn't even like a good pop culture year because all the like bad stuff in the real world was happening we had to focus on that oh wait oh my god are you gonna watch the grammys tomorrow Ugh. The bone to pick with the Grammys. I don't know. I but don't it was a- to watch like award shows anymore other than the Oscars. But it was announced that Taylor Swift, Harry Styles, and John Mayer are all performing. I mean, that's good, but I could just watch it on YouTube the next day. Oh my God, your Gen Z well, side is coming out. 
doesn't it make you sad that there's no more like there's nothing there's no shock value in award ceremonies anymore like you used to watch because there'd be hot tea there was always hot tea there's never hot tea anymore because everybody's so tame because everybody's afraid of being canceled no that's actually a great point that's literally why there's no tea anymore because everybody's so afraid of a cancellation Mm. and that's on them because like i said last episode cancel culture is a hoax cancel culture does not exist and if you're afraid of it then you should be canceled (laughs) (laughs) that's a good way to put it i like that (laughs) all right everybody well hopefully we don't get canceled for that hot take but thank you so much for being with us for another episode of the wrong side if you want to connect with us you can find us on instagram at the wrong side podcast you can dm us you can send us a message you can tell us what you want us to cover you can send us tiktoks whatever your heart desires if you are feeling extra generous you might consider throwing us a review on apple Podcasts. you might consider posting about us on your instagram stories but those are just a couple of options either way thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week bye Bye, guys